Thank you, Brother Tanner. Let's open our Bibles this morning to John chapter 3. Can we do that? John chapter 3. Your professional golfer Paul Azinger uh, was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 33. In his book titled Zinger, he wrote this, A genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway, whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. Everything I had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. He writes about something a man by the name of Larry Moody had told him. Larry Moody was a a chaplain of sorts, I guess you could say, on the PGA Tour and always held a a church service uh, on uh, on Sunday mornings. And during a conversation that he had with Paul Azinger, he said this, he said, Zinger, he said, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. He said, we're in the land of the dying trying to get to the land of the living. Azinger eventually returned to the PGA Tour, but that bout with cancer deepened his perspective. He went on to write, I've made a lot of money since I've been on the tour. And I've won a lot of tournaments. But that happiness is always temporary. The only way you will ever have true contentment is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that nothing ever bothers me and I don't have problems, but I feel like I found the answer to the six-foot hole. And as we'll see in our text today, Paul Azinger was right when he said that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, is the answer to the six-foot hole, otherwise known as the grave. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that that we will not meet with death. Um, The statistics are still the same. One in every one person dies. But a personal relationship with God's Son assures us That our eternal home will be heaven. If you have your Bible open to John 3, follow along as I begin reading in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And be born? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Reading through these verses, we find ourselves this morning where Nicodemus found himself that night as he conversed with Jesus. First of all, Nicodemus found himself confronted by the necessity of the new birth. Now, if we were to go back and read the end of verse 2, specifically verse 24, we would find that Jesus knows all men. That means that he knew Nicodemus. He would have known that Nicodemus was rich. Rabbinical tradition says that Nicodemus was one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. He would have also known that Nicodemus was respected. He's called a ruler of the Jews, which means Nicodemus would have been one of the most, if not the most, well-respected men in the community. In addition to being rich and respected, Nicodemus was also religious. He was a Pharisee. Being a, a Pharisee meant that he was very zealous for the law. Today, we would, we would say he's very devout. But church, listen, even, even to this rich, respected, religious man, Jesus said, ye must be born again. You see, Jesus is no respecter of persons. Therefore, the message to everyone, including all of us here this morning, is the same. We must be born again. Now, the necessity of the new birth is brought on or brought about by the failing of the first birth. In other words, the reason we have to be born again is because we were born wrong the first time. Let me explain that. In, in, in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 12, Paul put it this way, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. He wrote in an earlier verse in chapter 3, he wrote this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this all goes back to Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden. Once Adam became a sinner, he passed his sin nature on to his children. And they passed it on to their children. And it's been that way through the eons of time. Every one of us 
inherited a sin nature from our fathers. So that means that man is not, is not born inherently good as some would have us believe. We are inherently sinful. If you don't believe me, go take a turn in the toddler nursery. When we were kids, we weren't taught to to lie or to be selfish. We were born selfish liars. And just as Adam's sin separated him from God, our sin, according to the Bible, separates us from God. And if nothing changes and we die separated from God, then we will live that way throughout all of eternity. That's why we must be born again. And given a divine nature, one that is suited for a place like heaven where there is no sin. So on this night as he came to Jesus, Nicodemus was confronted by the necessity of the new birth. But he was also challenged by the mystery of the new birth. Now, now, now think with me here. Go, go with me to this night. Do you realize that the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus that we just read was the first time ever that the concept of a new birth was presented? Now, most of us in here this morning, we, we hear new birth, born again. Yeah, okay, we've heard that many, 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 many times. This was the first time born again had ever been spoken. It's the first time the phrase had ever been used. And here Jesus is talking to a grown man. So you can imagine, he says, you've got to be born again. <laughs> can you... Can you imagine the look that must have come over Nicodemus's face at that moment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Born again? Whoa. And so that's why I ask in verse 4. So, is it like I got to kind of go like back up into the womb? Dude, I like to kill my mom the first time. So all of, all of this, this imagery is, is, is just mind-boggling to him. Born again. How in the world is that going to happen? And so Jesus knew that Nicodemus was having a difficult time wrapping his mind around the thought of being born a second time. And so he gave him a very clear and plain explanation. Something that that he could understand in verses 5 and 6. Look at it again. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The picture here is clearly that of two kinds of birth. One is physical and one is spiritual. Born of water is a reference to physical birth. The breaking of water has always been associated with physical birth. Katie got a text a few weeks ago. Mom, my water broke. That doesn't mean she got a cracked sewer pipe. No, it means exactly what Jesus was talking about here. Being born of water. Her water had broke. We knew what that meant. We knew that a baby was on the way. That's the way it's always been. And then he mentions being born of the Spirit. I mean, we just saw that which was born of the flesh. He held, Kelby held up Turner. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But then he mentions being born of the Spirit. This is called the new birth or, or, or being born again or born, if you will, from above. It's something that happens on the inside whereby the Spirit imparts to us new life. Literally, He gives us the life of God, which is eternal. John would go on to say later, toward the end of the Bible, He that hath the Son of God hath life. So there's clearly a link here between being born physically... And being born again spiritually. For example, just as our physical birth is a definite experience, so is our spiritual birth. If someone were to come up to you tomorrow at work and say to you, have you ever been born like, no, dude, I was hatched under a rock. You're, you're, you're not going to say, well, I'm not sure. I think so. I hope so. Yeah, I believe I, believe I was at one time. You're not going to look at them and say, I've just always been alive. No, you're going to look at them and say, of course I've been born. Well, by the same token, if someone asks you if you've been born again, if you have been, your response is not going to be, I don't know. Or I think so. Or I hope so. Or I may have been at one time. Your response is not going to be, well, I've just always been a Christian. Listen, listen, no one has always been a Christian any more than they've always been alive. If you've been born again, you'll know it. As a matter of fact, you will know more and be more familiar with that birth than you are with your first birth. 
Anything you know about your physical birth, the time, the place, the circumstances surrounding it, has all been told you by somebody else. But if you've been born again, you don't have to rely on somebody else's word. You with me? No, no, no. You've got your own story of when it was and the circumstances surrounding it. I mean, all my life, my mom told me that I was delivered by Dr. Norvin Harris at Epworth Hospital on July 23rd, 1960. I guess. Right? I don't know. I don't remember anything about it. I've just always taken for granted that my mom was telling me the truth. Listen, friend, when I was born again, I can tell you all about that. Oh, yeah. I can tell you about it. I remember it. It was on a Wednesday night after church in 1976 in my youth pastor's office. Oh, yeah, I I remember that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sorry this morning, but there's something not right about someone's claim to be born again. Yet they can't really tell you when it was or where it was or anything about that moment. When they realized they were a sinner and couldn't save themselves. And that the only Savior is Jesus. And they cried out to him to save them. Now listen, please, please, please listen. I'm not saying that you have to know the exact day or month or year. But I am telling you this morning, you will know something about that experience. You cannot meet Jesus and not remember. Well, yeah, I remember it was at church. It was during a revival. It was during vacation Bible school. It was at a youth rally. It was at youth camp. It was in my home. It was in my pickup on Highway 54 on the side of the road. As Brother Dion's story is told. I'm just telling you. You can't have that transformative experience in your life and not remember. Well, I've just always been. No, you haven't. If you've been born again, there's been a definite time in your life when you've confessed your sin and you've asked God to forgive you of your sin and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Listen, this is not a testimony of salvation. Well, I've just always been a Christian. I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've been in church, I've believed in God, I've read the Bible. I've even been baptized. Do you realize that if Nicodemus were here this morning, that would be his testimony? He had crossed every religious T. He had dotted every Old Testament I. And yet Jesus looked at him and said, you must be born again. 
Here's something else. Just as our physical birth was a once for all experience. So is our spiritual birth. Every one of us has been had one physical birth. And that's all we will have because that's all we need to have. By the same token, when someone is born again, born from above, it is a once for all birth. Jesus did not say to Nicodemus, you must be born again and again and again and again. He said, you must be born again. Throughout all of these years of ministry, I've had the opportunity to visit with a lot of people about spiritual things. In particular, about their relationship with Jesus Christ. I've had the opportunity to ask many, many people if they've ever prayed and asked God to forgive them of their sin and asked Jesus Christ to save them. And more times than I can count, they have, they have said something like this. Oh, yes, 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 many times. Many times. As a matter of fact, I do that every day. Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, I do that every night before I go to bed. If you're caught in the trap of praying for forgiveness and salvation on a daily basis, it's probably because you've never been born again and will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Someone who prays for salvation is every day is someone who has not placed their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. They're still depending on their own goodness to some degree to save them and get them to heaven. You see, here's what often happens. They're going throughout the day. They lose their temper or they, they cuss or they say something they shouldn't say or they act in a way they shouldn't act or they yell at their kids or they yell at their spouse or they yell at the waitress and they're disrespectful or maybe they're dishonest at some point during the day or maybe they look at something during the day they shouldn't have looked at or they watch something they shouldn't have watched or they listen to something they shouldn't have listened to or they said something they shouldn't have said and and at the end of the day they're 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 feeling guilty and they're afraid that if they if they died in the night God wouldn't take them to heaven and so they ask God to forgive them and save them again before they go to sleep As I said a moment ago, you don't have to be born again and again and again. You just have to be born again. And if you're caught in that trap, and that's a lousy place to live. And many in here can tell you their story of living in that place. Our own pastor could tell you that story. Until each of them finally got it nailed down. 
I have been born again. And then consider this, just as someone had to suffer to bring you life physically, someone had to suffer to bring you life spiritually. Now we all understand the pain associated with physical birth. I say we all, like us men, know anything about it. But hey, we come close. We, we've had a cold before. Right? Huh? But all kidding aside, the pain that Jesus had to endure for us was a pain like no other. Death by crucifixion was the cruelest punishment known to man at that time. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says that Jesus tasted death for every man. And oh, what a bitter, bitter taste it was. The crown of thorns on his head was for us. The nails in his hands and his feet were for us. The stripes on his back were for us. The plucking out of his beard and the spitting in his face. That was for us. Jesus tasted all of that for us. Why? So we could be born again. Here's a third takeaway from our text. Anyone who's been confronted by the necessity of the new birth. And challenged by the mystery of the new birth can be changed by the ability of the new birth. Being born again implies change. I mean, just think about it. If you were somehow able to be born again physically, you would be like little Turner. That means you would look different. And you would act different. And you would sound different. And my friend, it's the same way when we talk about being born again spiritually. It brings about some changes. Amen. Jesus addresses that in verse 8 when he talked about the wind. Look at it. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence he cometh and whither it goeth. So was everyone that is born of the Spirit. Listen, if anybody knows about wind, we know about wind. When I go places somewhere in the country, say, oh, it's so windy today. It's like, my wife will not like this, but shut up. You do not have a clue. Oh, it's just so windy. Look at the flag, it's moving. You're lucky you got a flag in Kansas. So we know about wind, but we've never seen it. In 62 years, I've never seen wind. But I've seen the effects of it. The grass blowing and the Limbs waving and dirt blowing. 
And then on occasion, we've had experience and see even more extreme effects as semis get blown over and roofs get blown off. No, we've never seen the wind, but we've seen the effects of the wind. And by the same token, none of us have ever seen the inner workings of the Holy Spirit in the heart of man, but we've seen the effects of it. And here's all I'll say about that. When a person is truly born again spiritually, there will be some change. It's inevitable. It's the nature of the Spirit's work in our heart. The Bible knows nothing of a salvation that does not result in change. Paul taught that truth when he wrote to the Corinthians when he said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, to be in Christ is to be saved. It is to be born again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, let me just throw this in there real quick, church. Let's be careful. Let's be careful that that we don't expect a turner to look like one of these teenagers over here immediately. He'll get there, but it's going to take a while. My point is, we can't expect newborn Christians to act like they've been saved for 40 years. It, it, it takes a while. That's where we come in as a church to help them and to nurture them and disciple them and mentor them and encourage them and walk with them. Amen. Let's hasten to a close. Do not say amen. But by all indication from what we read here in in these verses in John chapter 3. One more point. Sadly, Nicodemus was closed to the opportunity of the new birth. From all we know from this encounter, Nicodemus, still rich, still respected, still religious, walked away, still lost. Perhaps it was his pride as a Pharisee and a prominent leader that would not let him admit that he was a helpless sinner in need of a Savior. What? I know all of the Old Testament. And I, I live it. I walk it. It's who I am. To humble himself and receive Christ's offer of new life. Think about this. Would have been for this religious leader to admit that what he had believed and what he had taught to be true all of those years wasn't. You know, I've sat with people and I've shared the gospel with them. And, I, and I've had them say to me, Pastor, if I acknowledge as truth what you're saying to me right now, 
then that means that what I've been taught my whole life isn't true. And that means what my family's been taught our whole life isn't true. And my only answer is everything I've showed you has come straight from the pages of the Word of God. Which is true. And I've watched people, I've sat with people who have wrestled mentally and emotionally with this truth. And I've walked away from some just as Jesus walked away from this conversation with Nicodemus. They they couldn't do it. They couldn't bring themselves to admit that what they had been taught about getting to heaven all of their life wasn't true. It's a reality. Pride is probably the biggest roadblock to eternal life. I don't want to embarrass you, but I see Joel sitting back here. Joel was practically born in Fellowship Baptist Church. He's been here his whole life. Went to a Christian school. Graduated from a Christian school. Raised in a ministry home. And I remember that early morning. I'll never forget because it was early. Silver State Baptist Youth Camp. In my cabin. Who in the world? And so I open the door and I <laughs> look up. It's, it's Joel. And here were his words to me. Pastor, I'm not willing to go to hell for anybody. And what he was saying was, preacher, I'm lost. And I need to be saved. And I don't care what anybody thinks about it. I'm done worrying what they're going to say. Because I'm not going to hell for anybody. Back in 1983, we were at the old property. During the invitation, I was sitting on the front row and Katie was at the altar. Miss Landis was praying with her. And man, she was just torn up. She was torn up. And I thought, dude, what'd you miss? And when she came back and sat down beside me, she looked at me and she said, honey, I just got saved. We'd already been in the ministry full time for two years. We had been on the staff of this church for two years. And woman, you're just now getting saved? She graduated from Christian school, graduated from a Christian college, had taught Sunday school, had led people to the Lord herself, worked in a death ministry, worked in a bus ministry, sang in a choir, sang in an ensemble, traveled all over the country and represented the school. And she sat down beside me that day, Brother David, and she said, honey, I just got saved. She came to a place when she said, I'm not, I'm not going to let my pride keep me 
from saying what I did all those years ago wasn't real. She's got her own story, her own testimony. I'd love for you to hear it sometime. Maybe you have. It's a wonderful testimony. But what I'm saying this morning is this. Perhaps the saddest place in all the world to go to hell from is a church pew. Especially one of these where a man of God stands up here every Sunday and preaches the word unapologetically, clearly and plainly. And yet not to receive that in earnest in a truly life-changing way is so sad. So, so sad. So as we close today, let me ask you, have you been born again? Not the person beside you, not the person in front of you, not the person behind you, but you. Have you been born again? If you have, you know it. Because there was a definite time when it happened. Just like there was a definite time when you got married. Just like there was a definite time when all of your kids were born. You remember those times. They were monumental. But there's nothing more monumental than the day that you're born again. I'm not saying the heavens opened and you heard angels, but I'm just telling you a burden was lifted. And you began to experience change in your life. Some quicker than others, some to a greater degree than others, but change nonetheless. If you haven't been born again today, we'd love to help you make that decision. Pastor David will be right down here in the front. We'd love for you to come and just tell him, Pastor David, I need to be saved. We've got qualified men and women who will not embarrass you in any way. As a matter of fact, they'll take you to a room over here somewhere in this building and, and they'll sit down with you in private. And they'll, they'll show you a little more detail about what it means to be born again. And if you're here this morning, and I mean this with all my heart, I've, I've seen it over and over and over and over again. If you're trapped in the prison of sinning and getting saved, sinning and getting saved, sinning and getting saved, you need to get saved. You need to get it settled today. Does that mean you'll never sin again? No, but you'll understand you have an advocate with the Father. If we sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, because you sin after you save doesn't mean you need to get saved again. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe you're saved, but you've never really understood the, the concept of, of, of confessing your sin after you're saved and keeping short accounts with God and taking God at His word. If I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're saved. You just, you just don't understand that concept of the word of God. Again, Brother David will be right here. He'll be out in the foyer. I'll be out in the foyer. We'd love, we'd love to sit down with you sometime this week to help you understand that. Because that is a hellish existence. 
going to sleep at night not knowing, well, did I do good enough today? Am I in good enough with God today? Man, I blew it today. I, I, hope, I hope God's okay with, with my prayer. My friend, that's, that's no place to live. If you're here this morning, you are saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And maybe you'd want to come today and perhaps pray for some that may not be saved. Or maybe just take a moment and say, God, thank you for saving me. And thank you for helping me to know that and be assured of that. Whatever the need is, you, you obey God today. Let's stand to our feet.